0: Hello everybody and welcome to The Late Flag, the aftermatch podcast from the LFC Red Poets. Tonight we're going to look back at the game against USG from last night. We're going to talk about, yes, that audio and we're going to look forward to the game against Brighton on Sunday. I'm joined as normal by Tom Keegan and Pete Warbert, my partners in crime. And our guest tonight making his debut on the Poets podcast is Mike Hanley. Mike is a Liverpool season ticket holder on the Kop, and he's also a former liner with the Football League. And um, I had the pleasure to be with him in Istanbul on Liverpool's greatest ever night in the European final, and he kept me calm when I was going on the plane. So I have plenty <laughs> to thank Michael for, because maybe if it hadn't been for Michael, I would have never gone on the plane from Liverpool. So there you go. So anyway... We'll start with the and preview the look back at the game last night. So Pete, I'll start with you tonight. When when the team dropped around about I think it was about about quarter seven, the team was a little bit stronger
1: than we actually thought it would be when we previewed the game last week. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was surprised certainly with the front three as well. You know, with Nunes, Jotar and Salah starting. I thought maybe Ben Doker would have got a place in, maybe instead of Salah. Um I think Prior to the game, I think we were all talking last podcast, and we were saying, "Uh, Curtis Jones was was a shoo-in because he was going to miss the Brighton game, as was Josser, but um, he decided to go with Endo grabbing Bachinellius, and I think it was a good move actually, because I think it it, it allowed Jurgen Klopp to take a good look at them, and and he's probably thinking, you know, for the Brighton game, does he play McAllister at six, or will he trust Endo to play at six? I mean, admittedly, the opposition last night wasn't in the class of Brighton, but I think it was a good it, it was good that he could see the formation, and I thought Zendo had a, an half decent game, and I think the plan was always to take him off at half time. Um, it was nice to see Jarell Quanser again getting the stars. He's—he's—he wasn't overly put under pressure last night by the by Union because the you know I think. The chances or, or pressure they created really were from set pieces. There was nothing really from open play. Canafti um, had a good game, and obviously Ali came in because Kraveen was injured. But yeah, it was uh, it was a lot stronger than I imagined. Actually, yeah. When when we first had the team, how about you, Mike? Were you surprised that, that he went with with
0: Salah and Nunes both starting, especially especially with with Gravenberg uh, with um, Jota suspended at the weekend. And Cody Gapo, you know, out injured.
2: Yeah, no, I thought I, 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 didn't think he'd go that strong. If I'm honest with you, but I think he tried. I think it was one of them where, he, you know, I think that the game against Lask, uh, he brought the big guns on to finish the game off at the end. And this one, I think he wanted to start the game, so we got three or four up. You know, he could take them off at half time and it was a bit, and it was an easy night. But it turned out to be anything but an easy night in the end. Um, I didn't think we played that well. Um, I, we didn't seem to find our rhythm, we were too ponderous with the passing. You know, they were in a deep block, and we normally do all right lately. The last, the last, tw- you know, eight, nine months, we've done quite well against the low block because we moved the ball quite quickly. But, um, I thought last night we were quite slow and ponderous. And, you know, Nunes, he, I, I, I you know, I love him, but he is like, he, he he's gonna, I'm gonna tear my hair out to, uh, with him because he is Captain Calamity. Sometimes you see him sometimes, you just think he's unplayable. And then other times, it, you just think, he can't play. He doesn't know where his feet are, you know. Um, but, you know, he, he's either going to be brilliant or he's going to be absolutely terrible at some point, And we're going to have to get rid of him. You know, he's going to be like, if you remember Stan Collymore, those on this call remember Stan Collymore, right? Well, I blame him for us not winning the league in the 90s, right? Because he was so good and had so much talent. Like, we should have won the league, but he just sulked all the time. At Anfield, he was great. And you go away from home, he was terrible. He couldn't put two passes together. He he didn't seem confident. He just really didn't do anything for the team. He was terrible. And um, I just think, you know, I just hope Nunes doesn't fall in that. If it clicks for that lad, I think he'll outscore everybody. And he'll be an absolute world beater. But I'm just waiting for the penny to drop. That missed last night. I mean, dare I say, Les could have put that in. You know?
0: Um, Yeah, I I, I love the compliments, Mike. Tom, were you surprised that Curtis yeah. Jones didn't get a start last night? Especially, you know, with him being, you know, suspended, you know, for the next three league games. Plus, you've got the international break coming on, and so only given forty-five. Were, were you shocked about that, or was it essential that he got you know, minutes into the other midfielders' legs?
3: I think there's a little bit of both, really. Les, I, I was, I was a little bit shocked that Curtis never played, but also. Gravenbach, Gravenbach and um, Endo needed, and Harvey Elliott to a certain extent needed more, more game time. Don't we? Because we're going to be, you are going to be needing them to sort of step up. And I, I suppose that was a good chance to have a look at all three of them, and then to, to work out what's going to be the best player to fit into the system that we have. Now, uh, overall, I thought I thought Harvey Elliott played re- really well. He kicked the ball away a few times. But he, he grafted and he worked hard. Um, so Gravenberch was, was was outstanding. I thought his overall play. Do, do, he was the one bright light. So I think Michael was right about that The play was ponderous and slow. I think that we sort of we we didn't really come flying out, did we, at, at the beginning? I, I think that sort of settled, and we were sort of stroking the ball all around the pitch. And really, we're not really moving very, very quickly. And um, so I think he was like the one real bright, shining light. I thought Kwanzaa had, a, had an outstanding game alongside Canate last night. It's unbelievable that he's such a young age. He, he looks so assured and so so, so much quality. Um, Nunes, funny, it was funny I was going to talk about Nunes tonight. I'm, I'm, I don't think Michael's took what what I said, but well, I think with with Darwin Nunes, I, I I definitely definitely think it's a concentration thing with him. I really do. He like he was looking what he was gonna do after he put the ball in the net. He took his eye completely off the ball, and now you know that's that's basic basic kids football stuff, isn't it? You, you 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 wait until you touch the ball into the net and then you you do whatever you're gonna do. But like he just seem to take his eye off it completely. But I look at it the other way. You, you look at the quality of the finishes that he that he produces. You know, like the two against Newcastle, the goal he scored the other week from McAllister's pass, sublime. Some of the goals, he's just—he has everything. And I listen, I, I, you know, like I, I, it's funny, he, he's a frustrating player. But I think if anybody can get the best out of him, it'll be Jurgen Klopp and Bielsa. From from now, he's in Uruguay. I think, I think to me, that that was it. And I thought Liverpool, by the way, I put a really strong side out. I was glad to see Curtis on. I tweeted something about Curtis last night, which I think for all the people who slag the lad and say you don't see what he offers and everything. I'll tell you what he offers. He offers endeavour. I've never seen a player get around the pitch as much as that he does. He presses like like unbelievable. You know, unbelievably. He, his ball retention is first class. He's outstanding, Curtis Jones. Like you said the other week, if we'd have gone out and bought him for sixty million from someone, did have been we would be raving about this lad. And I think he'd be a big miss in by the way.
0: Yeah. Pete. So as Mike as Mike mentioned there a few minutes ago, you know, the, the tempo of the game, especially in the first half, I think, wasn't wasn't at its best. Liverpool was seemingly weighing up the opposition. But without really creating an awful lot, but we still had chances. If that's not sort of contradicting myself, though, there was already, you know, mentioned about you know the one Nunes missed, Salad always, also
1: missed a I one of the chance. Yeah, yeah and, we, um, had one, we had one short off as well, didn't we? But it yeah. was offside. No, no, no doubts about that because I was level with it. It was off. But um. Yeah, it, it was it was a strange game, and and we were talking at the game. I mean, the the fellow who was sitting next to me, um, one one side is the lad I sit with every week of season, sick old, and there was a fellow with his young lad I'd not met before, and I was talking to him as well. And I said, it, it, it's a strange thing. I mean, you walk into the ground, and if it's a Champions League night, nice. it's buzzing, isn't it? That it, it is buzzing the ground. And I'm with the best will in the world. Liverpool fans were going there and I think they thought it'd be a, bit of a cakewalk and I hate it when it's like that. I hate when you think it, it, you're just going to walk over these teams. And in fairness to them, the I thought they'd either be fully overawed and they'd let a, a, a hat pull in or it'd inspire them. And they had a chance, I think their centre-forward had a, a chance at the Kop didn't he, he, he fluffed ahead of I think. But apart from that, I'm, I'm thinking, I think Ali spilled a, a cross in the second half. But, yeah, it was just, um, I wouldn't say it was lackluster, but it was, there, there was there was not the energy that we used to, probably. Uh, like Mike was saying, we moved the ball quickly and we can beat the low block. And I don't think we struggled so much, but we, I, I thought we played within ourselves. I, I thought we had an extra gear or two if we had to. But I was just worried towards the end, with it being only 1-0, it only takes one mistake or one good piece of play from the opposition and, and they've nicked the points. And it wouldn't have been a total disaster, but I, I think the result was right at the end. Liverpool had, had all the control and and they had the better chances of the two teams. But um, yeah, it was it, to me. It showed the gulf between the Euro Open and the Champions League. It's, you know, from the first whistle, from the atmosphere, right, right through um, to the end. And, and yeah, it's just I think Jürgen said, didn't he? It's job done. And sometimes you'd have to win games like this in Europe or, or domestically. Sometimes you'd have to grind the results out, get your three points and then move on to the next game, you know. Yeah, Mike, it's like, um, you know, Liverpool
0: sort of treated that game as though they knew they would do enough to win the game. And you got the feeling and even if they'd have scored, Liverpool would have just upped the tempo anyway. The fact that, you know, Liverpool went in, you know, at half-time 1-0, with you know good anticipation, Ryan Gravenberts, to be fair. You know, we followed up the, the shot from Trent, I think it was, that the keeper spilt and you know finished it nicely. Um but I always felt as though as though Liverpool were treating it more as as a training session as such because they knew that ultimately they would get the three points. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no,
2: other I mean I'd mean absolutely shocked if we didn't get the three points uh last night. Uh, they're not a good team. They're not. In fact, none of the teams in our group are a good team, obviously they're not. Um, it's gonna you know it's gonna be quarter final time before you meet a proper team in that competition and we can get excited about it and you know go the match like Pete said and actually have a bit of buzz in the air and stuff like that. It'll be quite exciting. If we get to the quarter finals. I think before that we're gonna have these lackluster games where I'll be honest, you turn up and you think, we're gonna win. And we should win. And if you don't win, I think it's a bit of a disaster. Because I mean, particularly given the team he put out last night, I'd have been amazed if we didn't. Um, but you know, he, he, you know, they look at the stats every day, don't they? They look at the stats, the players' stats, how the fitness is, what they need, you know, did they need did Endo, Salad, and Nunes all need forty five minutes? Probably. Does that suggest that they're gonna play on Sunday? It probably does, because they got took off at half of time. Um, although we said today I think gapo was fit for Sunday, didn't he? So he's already no. walking. He'd be able to. Nah, be able to train tomorrow. We said, didn't he? He's not going to be fit till after the
0: international break, Gapo
2: I was after but, the international break. I just yeah. caught the end of his thing today, yeah. saying he was walking. Around. He had the boots off. He was awful. Um, but so you know, N- Nunes is going to end up playing on Saturday, isn't he? So uh, there's no two ways about that. It'll be Diaz and Salah and Nunes up front. So that's why he took them off. Gave Diaz 45 minutes. I just I, like I was never sat there. I was never sat there thinking we're in trouble here. You know, other than from our own doing. I think the McAllister pass at the end and Ali does, you know, what Ali does and pulls off a world class save and nobody talks about it. No one talks about the save at all at the end, you know, it wasn't mentioned in the papers, wasn't mentioned in the in the after show, wasn't mentioned at all, because that's just what he does, isn't it? Every game. Yeah. And he kind of he makes it look like it's normal, like he's just picking up a P Roller, you know, he makes world class saves. The lad was one on one. He had the whole goal to aim at, and he still saved it. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The man's just one, of, he, he quite possibly the greatest keeper we've ever had, if I'm honest with you. Um, don't so I, I, I don't know, it, I was never worried. It's
0: after he up again, Mike. We have that, we've had that more yeah. than once on the podcast.
2: Um, oh, no, I know, yeah. I, 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 I've seen some great keepers in our time. Bruce Grobler just is it, you know, ignore his mistakes. The man was an incredible goalkeeper. Most agile, one of the most agile goalkeepers I've ever seen. He was incredible. You know, you look at the modern day goalkeeper with playing with their feet and all that business. He, he was doing that back in the eighties, you know, and he got yeah. caught out a couple of times and everything else. But can you imagine him today? He yeah. would be the goalkeeper. He, he'd be the archetypal goalkeeper that everybody would be after, wouldn't he? Yeah. You know, but, yeah. you know, Alison's phenomenal. He's, he's the best keeper in the world by some stretch as well for me. Yeah. I think, Courtois comes close, but he's not playing, he's injured at the moment, isn't he? He's not playing, yeah. like so. Um, but so, yeah, he's, he's, Tom, he's phenomenal.
0: Tom, Mike backs you up there with, with your view on Alison. So yeah, if,
3: I don't need backing up, Les. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% sure. Do you know it's, it's
2: facts, isn't it, Tom? Facts,
3: it, it certainly is. Do you know what I think? I, 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 we look, don't we? We, we? we talk about Ali, it's just now you don't even, it's expected. It's as mm. you say, it's. It's there. It's what he does. He pulls them off every game. It's it's it. There's always another save of pure quality, and the way we're playing now, as open as we are, less teams are getting chances. So he's having to do yeah. it more often this season than he than he probably would normally do. But he's been, been amazing this season. It's amazing that none of us have picked him as man of the match. Yes, have we?
0: No, that's very that's very true. There's you, know, you I, I think it's been it, it, as indicated as Mike said. I think there is a bit, a little bit of, you know, it's expected and he's taken for granted, isn't he? You know, and it's like when I think yeah. you're more shocked now, aren't you, when the the opposition score past them and you think, bloody hell, he should you have saved that or not? And probably, probably didn't have a chance to, but you just, you just yeah. shocked, aren't you, yeah. that he's that he's, actually, that, he's actually scored? So, Tom, so. At half time comes and Liverpool have one up and then they make a triple substitution at half time with Salah, Nunes, and and Endo going off. Um, um Diaz come on. Um who else come on? Um Curtis Jones come on, didn't he? Yeah. And um who else Joe yes. Gomez. No, Joe Gomez come well, on later didn't he? He was the third sub at half time. Um Oh, I, that's a quiz yeah. question, none of us have got the answer oh right here. Peter, come on, you, you used McCallister. Yeah, McAllister. McAllister. Yeah, 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 of course,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Peter, so, did you get...
2: look that up then? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course.
1: It looked like it was up. I've got all sorts here. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> here. You can see your computer screen in your
1: glasses. Yeah, <laughs> so me, Actually, on my phone, yeah. I was thinking who came on? We it
0: that
1: was thinking, yes. yeah. 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 So did them
0: three come on? The other three went off, and Liverpool started the, the second half with a little bit of a quicker tempo, um, you know. But we we just couldn't get that that second goal to really put the game to bed, and and they were getting they were getting a few corners, which to be fair to Liverpool, they defended them quite well. So were you ever concerned that they could have snatched an equaliser, or were you? we'd always convinced that Liverpool were sort of well in control of the game and were eventually going to get the, the second goal to sort of, you know, put the pin in their balloon, so to speak. Well, I told you felt you'd always felt like, I think as both the lads have said, all the lads have said
3: earlier, it's just you'd always felt that Liverpool were playing within themselves, really they were doing what they needed to do to get by with, with an eye to the Brighton game. and I, I think, and that I think that's what they've done and I, I think making the changes that they did, you know, like again, I think we he must I think club would have had a go at them for, for for the tempo that they set in the first half because it, it was like a training ground, wasn't it? It was, a, it was like a routine where we were passing back side to side and it was only Salah who was really showing any impetus, you know, like to break forward. Yeah. and um, So I I think we were always in control. I didn't really fear anything towards the game. It was nice. It's funny enough, I said to to our our Kevin last night, that sums up to me. Jota to a T, last night's game. You know, like, he, he not struggled, but he hadn't really looked dangerous or anything. Gets the one chance and buries it. 100%. It was never in doubt when he broke forward. You just knew where it was going. It, it's like that's the difference, isn't it? You know, like sometimes you you think he frustrates you a little bit, Diego. But like I tell you, what he's boss finish yet?
1: Yeah, I don't he, finish he's, yet. The, he's the modern day John Walker, soldiering. Oh go my to god, do, a game, do nothing, and then he comes up at, with he the goal. kicked
3: it into the ground over the keeper. I
1: know. You know, like it's just. But it's he, he drift out of games and you don't even know he's on the pitch and then he pops up with a goal yeah as I say he was, you, know, that, that, you know that's a fair point that you know you you versus didn't see jo
0: in the game yo put know, then you know, he took that goal superbly well and you know, and that, that that put the game to bed Mike after about 60 65 minutes Jürgen took off scent and put on um, Joe Gomez, what did you make of Trent for the 65 minutes that he was on? Did you think he was he was a little bit rusty? Did you think that he did he just come back in as though he'd never been away? What was your what was your view on his performance?
2: I think the standards with Trent are so high. I, I I think he tried he tried one long pass in the first half and it didn't go to the right player. And I thought, oh, that's not like him. Do you know what I mean? Because when does he ever put a pass wrong? You know a long pass. You know when he hits it, you just expect it to land at someone's feet. I mean, I'll tell you what he has done, Trent. Trent has improved the control of the wide players across the pitch immeasurably because they know they're getting something pinpoint and if you mess it up, it's going to look terrible. You know, Salah is brilliant, he it. It takes them out of the air everywhere. But I thought he was, I thought he done well, but he played in midfield most of the night. He didn't play, it really. he, very rarely was he at right back, which is why he ended up in that shooting position for the Gravenberg goal. Um, he played in midfield, he was neat and tidy, he didn't give it away, he wasn't really under a lot of pressure, I think it was an ideal game for him to get. Loads of touches of the ball. Everything seemed to go through him in the midfield. They were looking for him constantly when they got the ball. They were looking to play it to Chent's feet. Even just so he could play a five-yard ball, move away, pick it up again, knock another five-yard ball. It was just like that. He, you know, He was very composed throughout the game. And I just think, you know, Jurgen didn't want him getting injured, so we just said, "You know, go out and play whatever you want to play." Basically, so we did. Don't think he made a tackle all night. Don't think he got tackled all night. It was a kind of a perfect sixty-five minutes for him. Really, got loads of touches of the ball. Got a feel back. I, I'd be amazed if he doesn't start on Sunday. If I'm honest with you. Peace
1: uh, what did you make a Trent's performance last night? Yeah. Similar to Mike, it was it was an ideal fixture for him to to not have to be stretched defensively, yeah. and. I think there was one. I think there was one where he he came across the back line in in the second half and he nicked it off the lad. He, he wasn't really in a position to score, but he came across and nicked it when the lad was like <laughs> special. Um, but apart from that, and I tell you what, it's noticeable talking about his range of passing, and I don't know how, how it affects the pitch side. But Christ, when we came out the game last night, it was not windy, and I don't know if it's like that on the pitch side or with all the stands, it's not as bad, but. It was really blowing a bit of a hoolie by the end of the night. So I know, you know, you, you see some of these 40, 50-yard passes he puts through and he, they have to be perfect. But, yeah, it was an ideal game for him to, I wouldn't say cruise through, but, you know, he he, he never he was never going to be under any pressure defensively and it allowed him to move in. And then even when Joe came on and replaced him, he, he was doing the same thing. He was playing that role as well. Yeah, he was, yeah. And then... Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like we keep saying over and over. It was a it was a, a nice game to have before what's going to be a tougher game on Sunday. It's, it's really going to be a tough one down there, especially with them coming back from two down at Marseille. They're going to be cock-a-hoop with that to get a point over there. So it, it, it was like Tom was saying, it was almost like a, a training session. You know, and like I said before, we, we could always up at a gear or two. It, it just worries me when it's getting later and later in the game. And I've seen it happen so many times when you've you've sort of had all the possession, not put any ch- your chances away. I think Diaz had posted, didn't he, Les? Yeah, he had to post it.
0: And obviously, Yeah, so he, he was offside, be- though,
1: wasn't he? He was offside. So there were chances yeah. that were going, with begging and that, and you just think, just one chance, if they get one of these corners right, or we make a slip, you know, like the McAllister pass, and it couldn't undo all that. But um never felt like panicky, but just I'd have been disappointed to have given the goal away towards the end you know
2: but yeah. uh,
1: I like you say Joseph pops up does what he does best and we all go home happy Daniel Tom what did you make of Trent last night on his comeback
3: comfortable game for him Les wasn't it was a perfect game as, you said, as the lads have said he, he just strolled through the game he just needed to do what he needed to do linked up with Mo when he needed to link up with him was there drove forward lovely for the shots which led to the first goal just overall he it was just tense being, feeling his way back after a, a short term. You don't know how, these type of injuries that, you know, like you, you get to your ankle and your calf, you you don't really know, do you? If you overstretch yourself, it's, so it's just a nice easy game for him to feel his way back into. He'll have a harder game on, against Matoma on, on, um, on Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday two o'clock. Yeah, so he'll have a harder game with Matoma, but he, I think he would be re- re- ready for it. Like everyone said, I thought Joe Gomez had a great game when he came on, you know. God, he's just half improved as a footballer. Even moving into the inverted role, which all of us said, you know, like we think he'd struggle at, at in that position, but he looks quite comfortable there, doesn't he? He just yeah. doesn't let anybody down. He just gets stuck in. He does what he has to do. Put a boss crossing as well. You know, yeah, it was his first touch, wasn't he? First yeah, touch, crossed it? Yeah, Diaz. yeah. Cross. Diaz should have sco- I, I, got on the end it, of it. Was it Jota's there? Was it for no,
2: there? He crossed it into Diaz and Diaz missed it by about a millimeter because yeah. he didn't. He should have yeah. gone earlier, uh, Diaz. He ruined the cross to be fair. It was a beautiful pass,
3: yeah. And um, you know, like a brilliant, a brilliant ball, but overall, he, I, I made do you know what? There's no. I look at this Liverpool side, and it doesn't appear to be many weaknesses in the squad, does there? You know, we, we haven't seen Bacetic kick a ball yet properly, you know, like in proper anger, yeah, yeah. you know, and get a game. We haven't seen Tiago come in or do anything. And oh, yet, there's and so I, much I
2: quality. Love Thiago. I love Tiago. When he plays, when Tiago plays, I only want Tiago to pass the ball. I don't want anybody else to pass it because he can pass it five yards and it looks beautiful. Pass it yeah. and he can pass it 60 yards. And when he does that, like, he does that really obvious. Dummy that he does, and he's been doing it for like 10-15 years, and everyone knows he's gonna do it. But but all the players go one way on the pitch and he goes the other, and the crowd go one way and he goes the other. He, he, he's an incredible footballer, he just can't stay fit. He be, just can't
3: be, stay fit. be nice to get him back, won't it? You know, like oh, it's be amazing, give us yeah. another option, amazing. just another option, you know, like that that we need, and I think Bichetti, Bichetti, I'm young but dying to see him. You know, like he could, he could be the answer at six, couldn't he, Les?
1: yeah. He He's not going to be ready till after the internationals, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You won't see him till at least Derby Day, and after that, you know.
0: I think, I think if he's fit, we might see him play some parts against Bournemouth in the in the League Cup. Um, so, so just moving on from. From the performance of Trent. I'll ask I'll ask Mike, what did you make of Kwanzaa last night and, and what have you made of him? What's your impression been of him you know so far this season? Because I think he's took everybody by surprise about about how good he's been. You know, especially when you know a lot of people are saying that they wanted Liverpool to go up and spend, you know, big on another centre half. I think he's he's more than fitted the part.
2: No, he has. I mean, he's got don't be wrong, he's only a young kid, like he's got some fallibilities, hasn't he? Or you know, uh, but but uh, the big lad up front, Nilsson for them last night played up against them and he did really well, I thought. All right, Nelson's not like a top quality player, he ain't playing against you know, he ain't playing against Jacko or you know a prime Peter Crouch or anything there. So but you know, so the movement's not as good, but, but but he dealt with him really well. But I've been you know, I've seen Gerald Kwanzaa for a number of years now. Uh the ref you know, watching my lads ref coaching lads refereeing at the academy and seeing this kid come through and thinking he looks like a bit of a star you know and then you see his name and you think wonder where he's from and you Google it and you go Warrington you go oh that's <laughs> <right>, okay <laughs> do you know what I mean and you don't know but you know he he, he does look good but even, even when he was younger like 15, 16 stuff like that and he was in the academy he was a ball playing centre half he picked the ball up in the academy and he do like what Matip does now you always know, see Matip galloping through midfield going past two or three players Join him at the attack, that's what he used to do back then, and when he gets more confidence and more experience, you'll see that more from him I mean, he's a natural replacement if he keeps going on the trajectory he's on he's a natural replacement for Van Dyke, isn't he, you yeah. know, that's what that's what he is, I mean, you look at you know, he's, he said before about, you know, the players you look at Gravenberg, you know, he looks older than me he says um, but he's only 21 <laughs> himself the kid's only, you know, he's 21 and then you look at Elliot, what's he, 20 Jones is 22 21 is Jones yes. twenty one as well? You know, yes. and that was your midfield in the second half last night. You've got like twenty year olds. You've got five, six. They're, they're nowhere near their prime. They're nowhere yeah. near the best at all. You know, just, so so that
0: just, you know, just don't don't miss off where or he might never think uh, you on again. You've missed supposedly high off. He's twenty two. So just so no, you I know. know. That's you, yeah, but I only
2: came on at the end last night. But you're right. You look at the <laughs> l- look at the midfield we fell into here, and the age of them, and the fact that he can coach them to be better. So is not as his, no, is an is an inc- looks like looks like an incredible footballer at the moment, uh, but again he's nowhere near his prime either. You know, Gravenberg certainly isn't. Elliot still got a way to go. So is Jones. You know, um, but they're yes, all developing, and they're not bad players now. They're really yeah. good players now. They're going to become mm. really good players under Klopp, undoubtedly yeah. for me. You know, um, same as central half. Look at how Co- old take? And you
0: know, Artie's
2: so 23, 24, I think, something like that, yeah. Honestly, five or six years there at the very top for him. Kwanzaa the same, you know? So, yeah. You know, I think we're all and right. And Gomez. What... Gomez is already
3: still young, eh? Yeah, really. he's 26. Yeah,
0: 24. He's been here for energy. He, yeah. he
2: just, he's, you he know, came like, under he... Brendan Rogers, didn't he? Yeah. 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 First game away at Stoke, got injured, yeah. 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 So, Pete, did you, what did
0: you
1: make of Kwanzaa last night? I thought he was... I mean, like Mike was saying, he wasn't put under undue pressure, but he just sort of glides. See, I know Mike said that he he reminds him of like, Matthew, but I, I, was, I thought he had the bloody touch of Alan Anson last night at times. Yeah. He was just so yeah. elegant. He was elegant in, on the ball. He yeah, always, been. always out, has been. I want that lad at the back. He's only 19, 18, isn't he? And he's, yeah. he's doing that. He just stole my word, Peter. Not he made, but admittedly, um, do you he,
3: know I was thinking was uh, sitting there, thinking that. Uh, well, Hanson
1: or Ele, elegance? Elegance. I thought he's you he, he, just, he, he just looked. And we were saying, you know, he came on at Newcastle under pressure because we were a man down. He, he played away at Wolves and he didn't look out of the place at all. Oh. And you know, as I say, without being under too much pressure last night, he still looked the pass. And I thought both centre backs had good games last night. A couple of times, Ebu intercepted, and then he carried the ball forward and that and. It's like Mike said. It's looking great for the future. To all these young kids, the way they're coming yeah. on. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, and just the just the last one before I ask
0: you to name your player of the match. Just what wondered what you thought of Harvey Elliott's performance. More so, not so much when he sort of played in the in the midfield, which is what we feel as though is his natural position now. But when he went out to play and, and covered for the Salah on the right hand side, I'll start with you, Tom. What did you make of Harvey Elliott?
3: I thought he done well last night, Les. I thought he'd over he gave give the ball away a couple of times. But again, like, like Mike and Peter said, he's a young kid, isn't he? He's, he's it's only a baby. But I thought he, when he lost it, he, he grafted it back to win it back. And that's, a, that's, the, that's the sign of a good player, isn't it? I mean, you know, all, all footballers give the ball away. It's what you do when you lose the ball. If you then chase back... 10, 15, 20 yards to get it back and then come back with it. Then you, you know, like, and he'd done that for most of the game. He was really, he was really working hard all the way through the game. Been really impressed with him this season, Les. But he, I think you've got to look at the quality that's around him, haven't you? I think this is bringing out, as, as, as the lads have said, it's bringing out the best in all of them because you, you, You've got likes of Sir Bosley, you've got likes of of batch you've got likes of McAllister, who's proper quality, even though he's playing out of position at the moment. But and they've sort of stepped up, and, and by them doing that, Curtis has lifted his game, and Harvey Elliott's lifting his game, and that's what they've got to do if they want to get a game. They've got mm-hmm. to play at that level, haven't they? And they've got to do that every game. Otherwise, you know, you're gonna fall away. I mean, you're not gonna get a chance. So, I, I think it's been a great lesson for fellow Harvey, and I think he's done well. This, I think he's done well so far
0: this season. Pete yeah. Elliot, when he went and played on the right hand side, my 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 vantage points on the cop, I I just thought he he doesn't really have the pace to play there. Everything sort of seemed to to slow down when it got to him. And he needed what he needed was to get the best out of him. He needs people running off him because he never, for me, I can't remember him once trying to take on the opposition fullback. And at and times as well, Liverpool were looking for an outlet on the right hand side, and he drifted right inside and was in the centre of the field. So what did what did you make of that change of position for him in the second half?
1: I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's ever going to do what Mo Salah does when he gets the ball and takes defenders on and cuts inside and and do that. But what I like about his game currently is, is like Tom was saying, his work race, he chases back if if he loses possession or if the team loses possession. Not necessarily him, his his work ethic is brilliant. I think once again, he had a chance late on, I don't know if he was on or offside or whatever, but... The ball came over late on and you just wanted him to miss it first time and once again, it got away from him. A bit like the chance he missed the other day. But um, I just think... I think uh, I've noticed the work and the work races because I think we, we levelled him. his defensive qualities weren't up to scratch, really. He, he wasn't coming back and helping out defensively. But I think he he's starting to learn that side of the game. And I think that's where Curtis Jones has grown as well. Like Tom says, his work rate was... Brilliant, and he does come back, tackle back, win possession back, and like I say, some of them that go the game, they, they don't look at they don't look at these things. They just think everyone's just going to be scoring well. with 30-40 yards out, and you've got to put the work in to win the games. And I thought I thought Harvey, I thought he did okay last night. He I thought he was okay, but like I say, it's um, you're never gonna re- you're never gonna get a replica of Salah. What he does when he gets the ball, and he doesn't do it every time. You know, there's times he goes down blind alleys, but like you say, I probably agree with you pace-wise. He probably hasn't got that blistering pace to get away from defenders to get past them, you know? Mike, what do you make of his performance last night? I think he's the modern-day Sammy Lee.
2: Me. You know, he just doesn't have that. To make him world-class, he'd need another yard or two of pace. That That would make him, like, an absolute threat every time he got it. So you could play him on the right, you could play him on the left. And even coming from the middle as well, from the uh, from the 10 position, it would be great if he had the yard of pace because he's got a trick. He can drop a shoulder, everything else. But he's just not. He's not. He just lacks that little bit of pace that that would make him stand out and be absolutely... Like Bernardo Silva, as much as we, you know, we don't like him, right? He's an incredible footballer. But he's got that extra yard of pace where he can get the ball and he can just get away from players. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to do a trick. He can just, once he's ahead of them, very rarely can they catch up with him because he's lightning. He's really quick. You know, he's not most Salah quick, but he's quick. Uh, and if he had Bernardo Silva's pace, I think you'd see a Bernardo Silva type player in, um, uh, in Harvey. But he is like, at the moment, I look at him and think he's a modern day Sammy Lee. But Sammy was, you know, elevated himself because of his work rate, like we've already said, and his ability on the ball. He very rarely gave it away. Or, you know, his job is to get the ball, give it to the better players. And that's what he did. He was great at that. So I think Harvey's kind of going down that route for me, but I just I worry because I think there's better players out there, and there's probably better players in the squad when everybody's fit. So I don't think he gets his game every week for me. Um, yeah. But I think he plays better when we've got our first eleven out as well. I think in that last night, which is a bit muddled, I think he plays better when when the better when the best players are on the pitch because he can do his little one touch popping it off, moving around the corners, playing triangles, third man running. You know, we can do all those sorts of things. Um, with the better players but I don't know we'll see I, I I think it's another season season or two for me before you really see him whether he's going to blossom and go to the top or whether we're going to end up having to you know, sell him to be fair which would be a shame Yeah,
0: yeah I mean I, I agree I thought you can ne- never fault him for his work rates and no. I think this season in the games he's come on you know as substitutes you know he's really contributed in those games Um so, yeah, I think he's improved on last season. But for me, he, you can't play him on the right-hand side where him or salaries because you're going to do him no favours at the end of the day by by playing him there. Um, yeah. And, you know, he'll end up losing a little bit of confidence, I think. I think if he does play, he's got to be part of the, the midfield three, or he's got to be you know, a sub that comes on you know, to affect the game. But we move on and I'll start with you, Thomas. Who was your player of the match? Um, Gavin Bates
3: was my player of the match. Les from from um, from and I thought he both he, he played brilliant as well. But I give it to I give it to Gavin I thought he had a thought he, he I, it, it was funny, you know. You were talking about three players. I read a little article about the three players who they, who they said were at nineteen years of age. With the three that he looked upon who were going to, you know, go on and and make a big statement in the game. It was Tushimeni was one, Bellingham was the other, uh, and Gravenberch was the third. And, like, he lost his way a little bit, didn't he, at Bayern Munich? But he's playing with a smile on his face, and he's starting to to look something special in now really... I was really impressed. Yeah, you, can see, you, oh, you can see he's got something, he,
2: can't you, Tom? You can see he, he's got something, can't you? I, I like. I agree with you. You can see this, this definitely. Oh, he oozes. Just his motion his movement and and his vision. he's, he's got something. He really. Is. He's not quite there yet, but he's, yeah. once he tips over that edge, I think he, I'm, I'm like you. I think he's going to be spectacular, mate. Actually, you
3: know I do. what? I I, I I listen. I look at Sir Bosley and I think this Sir Bosley is something. And then I look at him and I think Jesus Christ, these two. These two in two or three yeah. years' time could be brilliant. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. these these could be two of the best midfielders in the world. These two yeah. in a couple of yeah. years' time, you
2: you just He's looking. Quick, in, isn't he as well? Athleticism, he just all over the place, great around
3: touch. Football pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. I thought he, I thought he was my man of the match Les.
0: Sorry, I diverted there day. All right, Tom. It's all right. Yeah. Over here for Mike. Who was your man of the match?
2: Yeah, no. So I'm, I, I'm the same. I think Gravenberg looked really good last night. And, you know, and forget the opposition. Just like look at his touch, uh, his passing movement, the way he looks over his shoulders when the ball's in play to make sure he's got the space to receive the ball. His choice of passes was good. He's athletic. He's good at he's good at set pieces because he's what six foot two, something like that, six foot three. He, yeah, he's good at set pieces in both boxes. You know, the athletes, I think there was one where they broke in the second uh, in the first half. And, you know, he was the, he was on the back post and he was one of the first players back on the edge of the box. The lad's got pace as well. I just, I think he's he's at, a, he's at a tipping point, but he's 21. And I just think we'll see the best of him. If he can keep developing on the clock, like that midfield, you know, I'm excited about what it could be, particularly next year and the year after. Imagine if we'd have signed Bellingham. Holy crap. Honestly, yeah. God. Imagine yeah. if we'd have ended up getting Bellingham. So Bozly, McAllister, <laughs> Gravenberg. Might as well give us the title now. I'll be honest with you. Just give it to us. Yeah. Give us everything. Give us it. That Bellingham is a difference maker. He is. But um, but yeah, no, one know. So I'll go Gravenberg, same as Tom. Yeah, I thought he I was really I really like the way he plays football. I do really like the way he plays.
1: Pete, are you going to make it a hat trick or have you got a different nomination? Tom mentioned the same thing that I was thinking of. That's I said the two centre backs played well and, and they look yeah. comfortable. Um but because because he, he scored his first goal, albeit a yard out, I thought for the first sixty minutes Gravenberch was something else. He, he was just that I use the word elegance again, but he was powerful, he was he was yeah. his passion was good, his movement was good. And at the end of the game last night, knowing we were gonna do the podcast, I said to I said to the lads, I'm gonna choose Gravenberch as my man of the match because he was he was everything We'd hoped for, but we didn't really see that much of it in Munich, did we? For whatever reason, he didn't seem to get the rub of the green there. And you were just hoping he was going to be one of these players that can do it. And you can just tell by his, the way he, he conducts himself and the way he moves and that. But I'd also be a bit naughty and choose a second man of the match if I can. And that man of the match for me would be the 12th man of Union because I was down in the main stand. And from start to finish, every man, woman and child in that union section sang their hearts out and they had such a good time. And we bumped into a couple outside and they were absolutely... It was like they'd died and gone to heaven coming to Anfield. He just couldn't believe they were coming to Anfield. And although the result went against them, I was almost praying that we'd go three or four up and let them get a goal because they would have taken the roof off. They were absolutely fantastic, them fans. And I can imagine, even though... I think they've moved the return leg, haven't they? I think it's moved into a bigger stadium, but their stadium's are about the size of Bournemouth, I believe. So I could imagine the the atmosphere they create. But I'd like to mention them because they were fantastic fans last night.
0: Yeah, well said, Pete. Um, yeah. I totally agree with you. I thought I thought they were fantastic and they were bouncing all night, weren't they? So I will I will make it a clean sweep. I will also give it to, to Graven Birch as man of the match. I thought Quantan also did well. But Gravenberch with his goal, he nearly scored the second. You know, with that the keeper made a good save from. And I say his overall, his overall performance for the time he was on the pitch, made him yeah quite. You know, he just took it for me from from Kwanzaa and, and his goal was the was the hundred and ninety different Liverpool player that I've seen scored at a live game. So I'm just wondering who's going to be the two hundredth. So could it be McAllister? Or, or Endo, or, or Simicash or Kwanzaa, so there's a few there that have, or even Ben Dog. So, um, I'm waiting now for me for me 200 to to come in and at the back of the net. So, yeah, well done, uh, Ryan, for last night. So, we now move on and we have to talk about it again. And I just wonder before I go to Mike on this, I'll come to you at the end on this, Mike, because. Obviously, you've got a foot in both camps on this, so it will be interesting to see what you say. You know, you've got, you obviously massive Liverpool supporter, but you've also got your foot in the camp as being a former liner and, you know, who's, who's run the line in the Football League, so it'll be interesting to see and listen to your views on this. But I'll start with you, Pete, because on Saturday night, you were particularly angry about, you know, what you'd what you just witnessed there on Saturday and you, you said you'd never been so angry. So a couple of questions, really. The first one, when did you... Have you calmed down? And if so, when did you calm down? And what did you make of, of the audio that was that, that was released earlier in the week? And also the, the news that, that the independent panel
1: thought Jota shouldn't have been sent off? It, it's just like you're just starting to... I mean, like you say, Sapphi nice, I was absolutely spitting blood out. I was just livid. And and then you, you calm down a little bit. And then you hear the, the you hear the audio and you're thinking, and, and the thing that's upset me more than anything, I thought the referee had a poor game, by the way, but you couldn't blame him for the goal for the for the offside. He was he was out the equation. But how how many people are in the VAR? Um Tenser was gonna call it, but how many are in the studio there? And I think only one of them said, didn't he? You've made a mistake there to bring it back. I don't know why they couldn't bring it back. I still don't know because, you know, Man United would have ordered a penalty after the old sub stuff and went for the shower. So, you know, <laughs> and just, well, yeah, he did. He I, did. He I'll explain him. that in a minute, Pete. I'll explain yeah, well, it. But also, it Pete, bri- your point bri- about bri- Hooper.
2: Sorry. Yeah, I, uh, sorry, your point about Hooper, the referee. I, I, yeah. I do blame him. I think they're all culpable, mate. They're all culpable in one way or another. But I'll get into that in a, a, a In a sec, but yeah, but But, but there is a difference between the Man United Brighton thing and this, there's a big difference.
1: Yeah, well, I I was just citing that you can bring the game back if if need be. I mean, it's just the upsetting thing that I think somebody else made a comment, I think it was Pochettino today. He said, There's nothing wrong, I think he said, There's nothing wrong with the vehicle, it's the driver that's that's wrong. a great comment, isn't it? Yeah, 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 and that to me is it. You can say yeah, human error, but when one human does it, like like a linesman might get something wrong, as as it happened at the Ser years ago, and we always keep going back to the the Sterling one. But a linesman or a referee, one person can get it wrong. When you've got a group of people scrutinizing, from oh, Christ knows how many camera angles, I don't know how they can all, I, I don't know how they can't pull it back. I it just it's just beyond me. And then as I say, we're going into the game last night. I thought well, this lad was winding me move up. He said. Oh, there's this panel who said that Jota shouldn't have been sent off. And I said, yeah, it doesn't surprise me, thinking he was joking. And he showed me on his phone. He said, no, it's it, it's stingy. And it's, it's just another kick to the guts when you're just starting to get over it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I was never, I don't think, I think the way it was worded, I don't think Jürgen Klopp demanded a replay. I think he was asked the question, would you like to have a replay? And his obvious answer was, yeah, I would. I don't think he ever demanded that. And well, I don't I think, think you can opinion. do that. <laughs> It was just Sorry. his opinion. It was just his opinion. Yeah, it was an opinion, but he was, you know, the the bloody red tops got hold of it and saw even some of the broadsheets and they're saying clock demands a replay. I don't think that was ever the case. And I don't think it could ever be done, to be honest, because you'd be replaying games every other week. You can't do that. But I just think I've always been an advocate. I've, I was made up when VAR came in because I thought it would take all this mess and all it. I mean, if we didn't have VAR, we still wouldn't have got the goal because the flag went up. So we'd just be arguing later on in the pub and arguing days later. This has actually compounded the thing because people have have sat there and got it wrong. And I watched the Newcastle game the other night against Paris and they went to that auto-generated one or something. And although they took the time to give Dan Byrne the goal, because I think they were checking other things, it looks far better than the the VAR drawing lines on the pitch that they've got. But maybe Michael will put me right on that. I don't know. Tom. So, so
0: Pete, Pete just said how he felt, and, and I think <laughs> you, I mean, I just wonder what you, because me and you had a, a bit of a heated chat on the phone the other night. I don't know whether, I don't know whether your calf was it, you know, what, and you wanted somebody to shout at, but me and you seem to have a, a bit of a, a debate on the phone the other night. And, uh... oh, it wasn't a debate, Les. it was, it was, it was joyful banter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> banter. But, yeah. but, um, seriously no. though Tom what did you what did you make of the audio because when I'm listening to it right I yeah. just can't believe what I'm hearing because Darren England you know I, I was as Pete said I was mad on Saturday I was mad on Sunday I was even more mad on Sunday and angry I was more angry on Monday and then it started to calm down a little bit and in the year that and then compounding in my thoughts is the fact that this guy and, and the guy who's with him in the in the box, I both been to the UAE. Only got back sort of after a six-hour flight on the Friday, and he didn't seem to know what day it was. That in England, never he didn't even have a clue what what was going on in the pitch when on the pitch when you listen to that audio. So, what did what was your opinion of it? You know what what me mean? You
3: were saying you wanted them, you 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 said you wanted them sacked right away. <laughs> that was that was the thing, which yeah. Uh, the, and the difference, what I what I actually said at that at the time was that when you listen to the audio, it was it was it was a complete I'm to use I'm gonna use, I'm not gonna swear but I'm gonna use it. That's, it was a complete dog's bollocks from the start really wasn't it? <laughs> you know like if you look at it if you look at it from from the first instance, the, the linesman put his flag up because he's because what what he what he do what he tend. I'm not Michael will probably probably tell me I'm wrong, but what they tend to do is they tend to put the flag up if there's a a, a little bit of doubt and let it go to VAR and let them overrule it. So he puts his flag up for offside because there's no way he was was level with it, completely level with it. So there's no way that he could see that as offside because he came from behind. So that was the first mistake. But then when you listen to the audio, it, it, it was like, it, it, it was just like, he didn't know what he was saying or didn't know what he was doing. It was like three strangers talking, but no continuity. Never once did he, he, he mention, we're checking for an offside goal or, or, or we're checking to see if it's onside. He just said, that's good. You know, check complete. You know, the lines look okay. Thanks, that's and then it was he, he, he said to him, didn't he? He said, You know you've just you've ju- you you know you've just said it's a it, it it's offside and then he swore then didn't he because he didn't realise that he says yeah yeah
0: yeah he says yeah that's correct correct I'm yeah. happy and then he then then when he realized just well, the process he said yeah Yo, just the process it was swearing all over the all over yeah, the place. Percent. But just before we move on to Mike, Tom, I've gotta to, I've gotta ask this for you because oh. your best ever tweet today oh. on Twitter about Pep Guardiola. <laughs> that was the best tweet you've ever done. So okay, so I'd like you to sort of tell us what you thought of Pep Guardiola
3: I thought he I thought it was ironic I thought it was ironic that he'd sit and comment about about decisions going for and and against. It's you know like when they when they're the luckiest team in the world for you know like for for when decisions always tend to go their way. They might get occasionally they might get a, a bad decision now and again, but very rare. All the big decisions and the big games when the trophies are given out or when they, when it's about to be given out. Always managed to go their way. So I think it was ironic, first of all, to pass a comment about that. And even worse, to pass a comment, he's sitting there pontificating with 115 charges, which, you know, for sports washing, he shouldn't shouldn't have the the audacity to make a comment about anything, really, until that's been cleared, to be honest. You know, he was having a go at clock,
0: really, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was, I think, was I think this is descriptive language
1: that you use, Tom.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: possibly possibly. Yeah. possibly. I mean I could yeah, read possibly. it out. I've got it on I've got it, I've got my phone now, but it, there might be a few beeps and go on, read it out, I'm, I'm, read I'm, it out oh, Peter, put the beeps in. I think I think I think also also corrected it as well. I think you meant you meant to call them. Boldly oh. challenged, but you said it's amazing this baldy fraud. Bald fraud, this yeah. Always seem to favour sissy. Though 115 outstanding charges for sports washing. The cheeky beef should never comment on anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well said, Tom. And for once, I'm a hundred, hundred, hundred percent with yeah. you. I won't argue with you over know, one word of that. So we'll move on <laughs> to Mike now. So come on, Mike. You you had the you had the foot in both camps on 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 sort of Saturday night when when that that decision happened, and then obviously the fallout. So you could just give us chapter and verse from your point of view with, with which is going to be interesting, really, because you've
2: got you've got a foot in both camps. so first off, I was fuming on Saturday night, absolutely fuming when you see it in real time. He looks offside, right? And I immediately, like I was sat in the room and I said to my dad, he's offside. Straight away, I just went, like as soon as the ball was played through to him, I went, he's offside here. Right. And he scored the goal, flag went up and I went, nah, I thought it's all right. And then they showed the replay and I was like, hang on a minute. Romero's back leg is clearly playing him onside here. And you look at the lines on the pitch and you're thinking, he's onside here. And I was like, why is Sky not talking about this? He's clearly on side. He's a man. To be fair, only Gary Neville was going. He's on side there. That's an awfully quick check. He's on side. He's 100 on. And you say before, talk about like it. It's obvious to the assistant on at the game. But actually, what's happening in that movement is players are doing this, like that, as the ball's being played. So as the ball gets played, the players go. Ball gets played now, right? Yeah. And they're moving. One's going one way. One's going the other. It's a really difficult decision to make, right? I know when you pause it, it doesn't look like that. But when you also pause it, you've got to remember. So you've got Diaz who's leaning forward like that, right? Yeah. And Romero who's leaning the other way like this. So what what, what Adrian sees, the assistant, is Diaz ahead, Diaz here ahead yeah. of the defender. But what he doesn't see is the defender's back leg. It's the back leg that plays him on. I seen Andy Gray and Richard Keys, and Andy Gray was going, he's a foot on side. And I'm thinking, no, no, he's the width of a foot on side. It's yeah. a lot closer than you think it is. It's really close. And plus the fact that he's moving a pace at the same time. So you've got to go, ball's being touched, players go like that, and he's got to make a decision like that. And don't get me wrong, without var, it's offside anyway. He gets it yeah. wrong. And we'd all still be fuming because when you see the replay, you go, Oh, he's on side. He's got it wrong with an eye the goal, so we'd still be we'd still be fuming, right? Yeah. So Mike,
1: oh. as an official sorry, just a quick question. I yeah, saw this thing where they, they draw the perpendicular lines and it goes to someone's armpit. I mean Bobby I oh, yeah. they go with filler. Do you think they should yeah. change the rules to an extent and just go off the feet or something on the you know yeah. with... I
2: no 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 I do but I think the rule at the moment as it sounds says it's any part of your body you can score with can be offside. Yeah. So if your head is further forward, right, doesn't matter, and your feet are like, you know, yeah, they yeah. like four foot behind yeah. you, doesn't matter. You can score with mm. your head. So you can be offside. Yeah, right? I just think. So, I just
1: think there'd be decisions made where people will say, "Well, you know, his torso is offside or his head." But I think if, yeah, if the, you score with your torso, that, it. Yeah. yeah, but with your so so if your arms are further forward, it doesn't count
2: because you can't score with your mm. arms. Yeah. Right, So you can't score with your arms. Right, so. The rule at the moment is it's any part of your body you can score with can be offside. So it can be your kneecap, your backside, mm. you know, your neck, your, your shoulder, the back of your head, the front of your head, whatever. Just anything but your arms, really, right? Arms and hands. So that's mm. the rule. So so for me, you know, that was a difficult decision. You know, did I, was going, oh, he's a good yard onside. Well, he is when you pause it. But when he's running, like when Diaz is lightning quick and Romero's trying to get out quickly as well to play him offside, and they just do that yeah. So you tell me when my hands cross and tell me to stop. Yeah. yeah. So right. someone shall stop at any moment. And honestly, God, you won't get it. You'll yeah. you'll never get it with like that. None no. I give you ten goals and you'd never say stop. Yeah. And I'd stop there, right? It's really it's called the flash lag effect. So it's like you see the ball played. You've got an eye about where the players are, and by the time you've spent a microsecond looking at that and that things can change. People can look offside, they can look onside and they can change, which is where VAR comes in. Now, the VAR technology worked, right? Because yeah. Dad in England gave the goal. He gave the goal. What didn't work the other night was the communication. And also, for some reason, Darren's had an absolute aberration. And he's look. I mean, I'm assuming this. I've not been to Stockley Park. But I assume he has the same images that we have. But what he hasn't noticed is the fact that Adrian is flagged offside in the game, right? But then that needs to be communicated better within the VAR suite, right? If someone said to him, um, goal scored, on-field decision is offside, we don't have that mistake. So that's the first thing, right? Now, I don't know who's supposed to communicate that to him, whether it's the referee or the assistant. I suspect the referee um, is go, you know, so... They don't get all the audio either, the referees. So when you hear all, all that, excuse me, all that chatter in the VAR room, the referee doesn't hear that. So they open and close the mic from the VAR room to the referee and give him, they go, we're checking now, right? That's the first thing they say, right? So if you look at the Virgil van Dijk sending off, we've all heard the audio from that. and That was textbook, as it was like, keep him on the pitch, but tell him if there's no offside, you know, uh, decisions correct. You see, and you, you see their thought process as they go through it and they go, and they go, ball's rolling past Isak. It's going into his possession. Uh, he's got, a, He's going to have a chance at goal. Um, so if there's no offside in the build up, it's a denying of a goal scoring opportunity outside the penalty area, which means it's a red card. So just tell them to stay there. And yeah, John Brooks go, stay here. If there's an offside, you're good. If there's no offside, you're gone. Like that. And then they come back and they go, we've checked the offside. There's no offside in the build up send them off and he goes off, go and send them off right, correctly so they did really well they communicated with each other well but all that chatter in the room about draw the lines do this do that, do that the ref doesn't hear any of that all he's waiting for is confirmation of the decision right and then so when Dan England goes check complete the ref immediately just goes because Tottenham are ready to play from the offside ref goes great bang blows his whistle and away we go right but for me at no point does does anybody from the VAR room say to Simon Hooper, uh, "We're checking for an offside goal, right? Uh, on or on-field decision is offside." Nobody says that in the VAR room at all while they're doing the check. So Dan England, haven't missed the clearly, must have missed the image somehow of the flag being um, going up and being offside, right? As assumed, well, he's onside. The goal's been given. We're just checking to see if he's offside. And if he's not, it's check-complete. We don't Mike. need to spend ages doing this, which is why it was so quick. Mike, and the thing easy. is, though... And he's gone check-complete, go. Yeah, just come back to you on to one thing, though. Yep.
0: That's fine. Dan missed it. But he's got a second... A, a, an assistant VAR there.
2: Yeah, they both missed it. Yeah, him and Dan have both missed it. For some reason or yeah. other, I don't know whether they're chatting to each other or they took their eye off the ball. They, you know, they're know they having a, a conversation about the incident because of the cares. The goal goes in. They're looking at the images... And I don't know... I'm, look, I'm going to surmise here, and my only thing is that, say they're looking at the match on one screen here, and then the, the line's being drawn are on this screen, and the pair of them have gone. Goal's gone in, checking for offside, hold on a minute. And that's what they basically say, don't they? I think they say, uh, checking for offside. That's what they say, and that's what they're doing, right? And then they turn away like that. So when they turn away, they don't realise that the flag's gone up in the game. Neither of them do, because they're both checking it, Right? So, Dan Cook is the assistant referee. So, he's an expert in offsides, right? So, if there's any, like, law or any debate at all like that, and Darren's the referee, obviously. So, um, I just assume they may have looked away from one screen and looked to the other and they've missed that flag. And at no point is it communicated to them that the on-field decision is offside until they restart play, right? At no point. And that's why the check is really quick, right? That's so, why it's good you because they check was- it and they go, he's onside, Sorry.
3: That's what you. What me and Les were argue, I'm not arguing about. But what we were saying. I was saying similar. He's made a mistake. Whether I like him or I don't like him, that's what he did. He made a mistake. I like. It was a. It was a monumental mistake. And like, it's cost. Oh, you'll never live it down. Yeah, you'll never live it and, down. he'll. He, that. He, he would be judged by that forever. That's the point I was I saying will, yeah. to Les. So I. I got over it. I'd said to you, to Les, didn't I? I'd got over it by that stage because there's there's nothing we're gonna there's nothing we can do which is gonna change that. I don't think we're ever gonna get a replay. We're never gonna get a goal, or we're never gonna get you know. No, nothing's gonna happen. No, you can't. It's gone. It's done and it's gone.
2: But with or without VAR, it was gone anyway because yeah, the, yeah. the assistant on the day flagged for offside, so we would never have got the goal, and we'd all be sat. And we'd all be sat here arguing the fact that we should have technology that tells us what to do. Yeah. But, the, but, but I think we just need to get away from the fact that the technology worked. Technology mm. proved he was onside. It was the person in the seat who had an absolute brain fart, right? The stuff about the UAE, Les. I'll come to that now, and then I'll come to Pete's thing about why why you can't stop play, right? So the UAE thing is no different to these lads. Now bear in mind, none of these lads were on games in terms of physically running around in a game until the Monday night. I think it was. Michael Oliver was fourth official. I think he had the game on the Sunday, um, and then they made sure that Dan and Dan both had game on had the game on the Monday night, which was the Nottingham Forest game. Right. So there was enough gap between them to the physical sitting in the VAR is not affected by travelling to the UAE and doing a game these lads are top top athletes top top they are as fit as the footballers some of them right particularly Dan England and Dan and Michael Oliver because the age they are they're as fit as the footballers on the pitch the amount of level of training they do is incredible so that is like them travelling like this week Anthony Taylor's travelled to a Champions League game so he's fourth official on Saturday but he's refereeing on Sunday yeah so it's no different. It's absolutely no different to like, I think John Brooks was on a, um, a Europa League game last night. Yeah. So Ooh. he'll be doing a game this weekend without a doubt. I don't know which game he's doing, but he'll be doing a game. So that's a bit of a misnomer that. That hasn't affected them in any way. Darren has just had an absolute, what you call classic brain fart, when he's not paid attention. So not to do with anything else. If he hadn't gone to the UAE, he'd have still made the same mistake. He would. But Mike, does
1: like, the language you remember, have... you... Go on. Sorry. sorry, but does the language have to change then? Instead of just saying check over, couldn't he just said yeah it's a good goal or yeah it's offside. No. Right? Yes, yeah, so
2: Pete, that's... Over? Pete the communication was poor and that's one of the things you'll learn yeah. from that. So if you watch if you watch the uh, the last episode of Mike Up at the refs, the communication when they're talking to the ref is really clear about what's going on on the field of play, mm-hmm. so John Brooks is in no doubt he doesn't hear all the nonsense in the background with them discussing what's happened and everything else because he doesn't need to, he just needs to know this is what we're checking for uh, you, know, um, we, you know, it's a red card but we're checking for offside now so if there's an offside he stays on the pitch if there's no offside he goes off the pitch right, it's really clear the communication between. it's a really good example of how that should work the communication in this and I don't mean the whole audio, I just mean between the VAR and the referee was really poor it was we're checking for offside. Well, yeah, he knows that because the flags gone up in the game. So Simon Hooper's thinking they're checking that the decision Adrian made is correct and it's no goal, right? That's what he says. But what he should have said was, um, uh, "We're checking, uh, we're checking the offside." Um, but at no point did Simon Hooper say, and why would he? To be fair, but but at no point did Simon Hooper go, um "Goal disallowed on the field to play." He shouldn't have to because he should have noticed that on the thing it was clear it was clear to millions of people watching the game so i wasn't not clear to them when they getting the same images and the same audio and everything else right mm-hmm. so it's just it's mind boggling how it happens it's absolutely mind boggling but the technology works i've always been a big exponent of var right i think it's great but only for matters of fact like so goal line technology love it absolutely love it right, right. Um, and offsides everything else just leave it to the match officials you know, if he gets a red yeah. card wrong or a penalty wrong, he gets it wrong. And just get on with it because there's too much debate about, um, you know, uh, uh, what's deliberate, what's not deliberate. How high is your hand? How low is your hand? Let the referee make a decision on the day. If he balls it up, we'll talk about it. But everyone needs to accept it. But VAR is a, matter, you know, the offside thing's not going away. It's not. You know, we've had one error, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the technology that didn't work. It's the mm. person in the seat that didn't yeah. work. But well, he yeah. seems to make an awful
3: lot of mistakes in him, though, Mike. Don't you think? Don't down down yeah. No, is he doesn't a, I think
2: Look, look Ask, ask be Les be who his favourite or... referee is And he would tell you it's Anthony Taylor Right But But right There's a reason why Anthony Taylor Is the, be, is, is the best referee in the world I said that because to you
3: re- By the way Because he's
2: the best referee in the world Right But Les only hates him Because he thinks he's a Man United fan And he's not Anthony is uh, Right And I've said this to Les for years Right And <laughs> put Put, put Anthony on this podcast Right And you'd have an hour or so With Anthony Right I have an hour or so with him, chat with him. And honestly, you'd all be texting him. You'd, you'd be his best mate. He's a, one of the most loveliest fellas, right? He has the same problems as everybody else. He has two kids who go to school and college, university, similar age to my kids, university age. Uh, he has the same sort of issues we have. You know, he's got a really high-pressure job. Look what happened to him after the uh, uh, Europa League final. Yeah. Yeah, Roma, right? He was, and now from a technical point of view for me, he was brilliant in that game. The discipline of those players was horrendous, mm. absolutely horrendous. And he was brilliant in that game, what he did. He managed that game as best he could. And he, and technically, for me, it's one of the best performances I've seen for years, right? He was exceptional. And then to get treated like he did is, is abhorrent for me. UEFO need to look at themselves. Why was he walking through the airport with all the fans? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's just ridiculous, right? But he is the best referee in the world and there's no doubt for me he is the See, best See, I don't have,
3: See, have no pro- I don't have no problem, you know, saying about if a referee plays well. I said that's a Leslie of the week. Some of them some of have bad games. We all do I'm no lover of done and, and some of the things. But well, I, I said the other day, I thought he had a great game at Liverpool the other day. Do you know and
2: have. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I, so, so, yeah. Cavs are mine. Cavs are mine. Yeah, so Cubs. I don't have I don't nice, him as well. I, I don't have issues with you know like when, but I think I I think Darren in England makes an awful lot of mistakes. And in the game, in the games I've watched, I, I think Michael Oliver, he's a decent referee. I know he's he's a bit fussy. He's gone a bit fussy the last couple of years, but he's he's, he's not a bad referee.
2: You oh, very good. Yeah. You, you don't Uber get Champions should. League semi-finals if you're a bad oh, referee. I mean, th- I'm not th- too you, funny. Hooper's useless. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Uber. I don't know. I don't know him. I never worked with him in the years combined. There's some, you know, like I worked with Cav loads of times where when I came through the system, I worked with Anthony Taylor a couple of times as well. And I have to say, exceptional lads. Exceptional. Cav's not interested in football. Like, he's not even a football fan, but he loves refereeing. It's weird that isn't See, it? Do you remember yeah, the lad who used was. to play for? Um, remember the lad who used to play midfield for? Um, uh, Bayern Munich years ago, and the was it Edberg,
0: and yeah, he, yeah. He openly said, it's
2: a job. I turn up and I go to, I turn up, I go to work and I go home. I don't watch football. I listen yeah. to me manager. I do what my manager tells me. And he was an exceptional, world class midfielder, right? Yeah. Well, calves a bit like that. Cavs and really good. You don't get to be a Premier League referee if you crap. But, you know that's all I'm saying, right? And he and he, you know he does Europa League games as well. But some of them have off days. I'm not a fan of Hooper or Tierney. I don't. I just. Their style doesn't sit well with me. They're not terrible referees at the end of the day, but Hooper's had a Hooper's had a nightmare on on Saturday for me, and that's my professional view as well yeah. as my Liverpool view. He's had an absolute nightmare. Like you know, do, I think the do you think, thing that, do, is, do you think the goal well, affected him, Mike? Do you think? Yeah, the, do I think, you think, Right, think so I don't. I, I don't I think, think in the second
3: half he seems to just lose it completely in the second half. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Just started bleeping everybody, so you don't, you don't, don't know. Think, he, he might have known by that
2: stage that there had been a couple. Oh, he definitely gave it half-time, yeah. He yeah. definitely gave it half-time. So, but I think he knew earlier. Because if you look, like, the next time the ball goes out of play, the, you know, the camera goes on him. And um, I think he knows something's happened. But he may not know yeah. the extent of what's happened. Because it looks like someone's told him his dog's died. Do you know what I mean? Because he was yeah, like this. Yeah. Yeah. He's like that, so, looking at the camera sort of thing. And I just think he lost the plot a little bit. You know, it, the first caution for Jota... Um, is not a caution. It's not, right? But Jota was dead lucky moments earlier not to get a caution for a tackle, which he yeah. been warned about. And then I think he's, when you watch it in real time, it looks like Jota's tripped him, but he hasn't. Yeah. The lad's caught Jota's knee, hasn't he, and then tripped himself. Yeah. But then, you know, Jota, the second the second caution is a, is nailed on. And honestly, I was fuming with Jota. Not that, I was, not that he should have got booked the yeah, first time. Um, I was fuming with him. Right, absolutely human. Care. And the Jones red card. I understand why it's, why he's given a red card. Of course I do, because you it's endangering the safety of an opponent. So so it's a red card defense. It's never getting overturned. Now. And you can argue that like oh he was putting his foot over the ball and everything, but actually the point of contact with with uh, was it Basuma, Was it the point of contact with Besuima's legs? Horrendous. Do you know what I mean? And you just think, if that's not endangering the safety of your opponent, I don't know what is. But just getting back to Pete's point before about why they can't stop play. So once he restarts play, once he, once he gets check complete and he goes whistleblown and we restart play, right? He can't go back then at all. He can't go back, right, once he's restarted uh, from that factual position. The thing with the Brighton Wolves thing was, that happened, right? That happened. And then the next stoppage, the review was still going on. Right, because Mm. it didn't stop immediately with that decision. So, whereas ours was a flag's gone up, stop play, ball's gone in the back of the net, stop play, it was reviewed. Once you restart from that point, you can't go back. You can only go back for um matters of violent conduct. So, if somebody had punched somebody, right, and they've missed it and restarted play, they can go back and go, Right, Tom, you're off for punching Pete. See you later. And then you restart with that because it's a serious offence or mistaken identity. If you remember years ago, I think uh, at, at Arsenal, I think uh, did he send off um, Theo Walcott when he should have sent off Ashley Cole or something? Yeah. In the game Chelsea. actually something like that, wasn't it? Andre Manna yeah. sent the wrong player off, yeah. and um, so now you can correct those things. So those things have been brought in. I suspect, given this and given the nature of it, I think there'll be uh, they will. If something like, like that happened next season, I think they probably build something into the laws of the game that prevents you from doing it. So take a penalty kick instance, right? So if if in if in the same instance Diaz goes in and the tackle goes in, right? And we're all screaming for a penalty. Yeah. Referee doesn't think it is, cuts the grass as such, ball stays in play, right? Ball stays in play. Vara checking it while the ball's in play. Right. At the next stoppage, they'll tell Simon, give that penalty, right? At the next stoppage. Even if the ball goes in the net down the other end, he'll go, give that penalty, go back and give it. If, for instance, the tackle goes in, the ball ends up going out and he gives a goal kick, right? He gives a goal kick. And then while they're checking, VAR will check during that stoppage to see if the uh see if it was a penalty or not. If it's a penalty, you can give it. But if they restart play quickly, or if he restart play allows them to restart play quickly. The minute they kick that ball, they can't go back and give the penalty. I don't yeah? that's the situation. That's the that's the situation there. It, it it it's a point of law then, whereas it's a mistake. But actually, you can't then compound that mistake by breaking law because if he then goes back, so saying that in our instance, if he then at the next stoppage in play, um, someone goes to you. Well, that should have been a goal before, and he goes all right, goes over to the managers and be award the goal. That's when. You'll get a replay because the laws of the game, the integrity and the laws of the game have been um, have been changed, and you would yeah. have to replay the game at that point, right? Mm. You would have to replay the game, whether we won it or got a point or whatever else. You would we'd be forced to replay the game either yeah. from that point or um, the whole ninety minutes. You'd be forced. Didn't to... something like yeah. that happen
3: with Sheff- with Sheffield Wednesday and, or Sheffield United and Arsenal in the cup? No, yeah, it was a different,
2: different scenario. That yeah. different scenario.
1: No, that like, was when he threw the ball and, and he was supposed to give it back, and they went and scored. Arsenal, and yeah. forward, But I think, yeah. it, was, I think it was Wenger who offered to have a replay. I don't think it was the, I don't think it was the governing body. It, it, it was Wenger who said, "If you want a replay, yeah. we don't mind." And it wasn't baked so. into the laws.
2: Yeah, it wasn't in the laws at the time either. You couldn't do that now. You yeah, couldn't do no, it. No. So poster Coglu came out and went, you know what, this is an abomination. We need to have a replay. You can't, because the laws don't allow oh, it. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't... Look, without bar and without that incident, the flag would have gone off. The flag would have gone off. Uh, been given offside no, on no, of the no. day.
3: See, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. was quite... I'm quite what's it called about it. I, don't, I didn't want a replay. I wouldn't have liked to re- no. even say even it No of no. no, the fans wanted a replay. No, I didn't want to replay. just angry, but... I think. I'll tell you what, though, Michael. It's been fascinating absolutely fascinating listening from a different perspective you know like when you from you're looking from a professional perspective you know like we look at it from from supporters perspective i think it really is well i do as
2: well i'm caught between the two tom i'm caught between yeah. the two, but like you know i, I don't defend them if they're not def- you know if they make bad yeah. decisions i don't defend them i can't because why would i but I, but I understand sometimes, I'm probably in a position where I understand why they give certain decisions yeah. the way they do Because I've been there, trust me, I've been in front of like, you know, 40,000 at Leeds United on the line with people screaming it in the back of my neck going, that's a penalty, yeah. right? And then, you know, look, Les knows me for years. I'm, I'm fairly laid back. I, I just go, nah, eh, no it isn't, right? Shrug my shoulders and get on with it. And it doesn't really affect me. But I can tell you, some lads, some of the lads and the girls who go out on the on these games, it does yeah. get in the net massively. Mm-hmm. It does. It's human nature. Do you know what I mean? But then you know, you get, you have an observer in the stand, and and it's the same for Premier League games. Every every single decision that the referee makes or the assistant referee makes, every single solitary decision is looked at. Every single one, whether he gave it, he didn't give it, should he have given it, should the assistant have come in to. Honestly, the the amount of detail goes into it. Plus, on the day you have what's called you you have what's called on a Premier League game a match delegate, which is a former player or former manager, right? Watching the match officials just to talk yes. to them about uh, their interaction, how they spoke to players, how they could may have dealt with things differently, helping them understand why managers get frustrated. So you know you get former players like um, like Steve Howie and people like that I used to play for Newcastle will go and watch Premier League games and they do a report for the referees and give them verbal feedback. It's all part of this massive thing that goes around referees to help them make less decisions, sorry, uh, less incorrect decisions and help them have a bit more empathy when things happen and things like that. You know, so look, it's all there for them. They have psychologists, they have everything, everything they need to do a really good job. The fitness levels are elite, absolutely elite. Yeah. Fitness tests we have to pass every year. Are horrendous. Honestly, they're really tough, and the training they have to do in between games is in. Honestly, it's 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 like the footballers. These guys are training every day, not just training their bodies, training their minds, doing everything. It's honestly, God, you'd be if I could pull back the veil and walk you around it all properly, and then yeah. maybe another time, um, you'd be amazed. You'd be absolutely amazed.
3: Can I ask you one quick thing before we move move on? Get, will Howard Webb. Be a good thing for referee, the referees, or will he be a bad thing?
2: It, it, I think time will tell on that. Time will tell. I think you ask the former referees. A lot of them like Mike Riley because he was a good people manager. Howard's got more authority, um, a more authoritative approach, I think, than them. Mm. But Howard was a top referee, right? Now, my opinion, Anthony Taylor is better. Anthony Taylor's better than him, right? Mm-hmm. Better than Howard was, and Howard ended up doing like. Champions League finals World Cup finals Everything else right So We've got some of Some of The best referees in the world Absolutely No doubt about it And people go Well can't we bring referees From another country You don't want that Because they'll referee Every Premier League game Like it's a Champions League game And we'll end up with 8v8 Right It'll be horrendous mm. You just I like I don't subscribe to that At all Our refer- our top referees go They flip and flap So they go They, they manage a Premier League game On a Saturday and then the referee Champions League games on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And they do it at the Champions League standard. And then they come back and referee differently in the Premier League because that's our expectations as fans. And the players' expectations are different as well. You know, so it, it it's an incredible job they've got. It is. It's an incredible job. And, with and you know, if I hadn't been injured, I'd have been on the Premier League myself. But um, the that's just, it's just life, isn't it? Life. Fascinating. Absolutely. Br- brilliant listening to you, Michael. Absolutely brilliant. And oh, by the way, just for Les, uh, Anthony <laughs> Taylor's an Altringham fan. Genuinely. <laughs> He's that. generally an Altringham fan. He doesn't support Man United or Man City at all. Michael, he lives in Altringham.
3: Well, you give get him onto hand our hand hand hand. podcast. We'll give him a we'll give him a really good time. <laughs>
2: Honestly, you'd love him. He's a great. Honestly, he's a great. He's a great fella. Like he's a great fella.
3: See if we can organise that. But we'd be kind with him and gentle. Just,
2: yeah. just, go on.
0: just before we finish on the on this sort of thing about the the PGMOl and VAR etc. The Howard Webb is going to be on his latest sort of Sky Television show on Monday evening where he's going to be speaking. Tuesday. On, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, sorry, Tuesday about the the incident at, at Spurs. And also they've announced today that there's going to be more regular sort of release of the the actual audio footage from officials. So it'll be interesting that that's it. But it is important that one, the communication gets better and two, the decision-making gets better because, you know, Pochettino summed it up perfectly before. Anyway, I still think Darren English will be sacked. But that's my Do you know what I'll
2: say, though? Right, do you know what I'll say? We've had one of these incidents, one, out of like, how many games how many decisions how many we've had one unfortunately it was to do with us right i'll be honest if it was man united we'd all be laughing our heads off to be fair right but um we've had one and that's what you've got to just take it into context as well you've had one aberration just ab- just one that's what you've had in this this sort of nature this has never happened before anywhere around the world never happened before it's the one happened and think of all the thousands and thousands of decisions that are made every weekend of football games, and we've had over the years since Fars come in, and we've had one, one. That's just context, context. Yeah, yeah.
0: right. Okay, so we'll we'll move on and and sort it of on that note. Which I will. I mean, yeah. There's this I'll say I've got to have the last word, as you know, which is very difficult with you, Michael, because we've known each other for years and years and years. But I will just say that. It's been one factual apart from the when goal line technology failed in the Sheffield United, the Aston Villa game a few years ago, and VAR didn't give the goal, but that protocol has been sorted since then where if the if the watches break, then you know they can give it now by seeing on VAR. But there's been a lot of other incidents that, that the VAR officials have got wrong because they haven't been big enough to 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 overrule the on field referee. And the biggest the biggest um, problem with that I think is the is the phrase clear and obvious and until that gets replaced by is it the right decision yes or no there will continue to be controversy but as you've said you know it's you're still left with one one person's opinion whether it's the fella on the field or the fella in the TV studio so anyway we'll move on to a quick preview of the game on Sunday. Um, team Tom, what do you reckon? Salah, Nunes, Diaz up front, and yeah, just I want to put to you, Tom. Um, oh. Joe Gomez to continue at right back, and Trent to start in midfield. Do you know what? I would, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't object to that.
3: Although you know, I think I'd like to see Gladwin play in, in midfield. To be honest, Les, but I, I think he'll go with Trent at, at the back. But I, I, I wouldn't object to. Um, I wouldn't object to Joe playing at right back because I think he's been excellent. And I think he might give... I think he'd be better suited to play Matoma, mit, I think. But it um, be interesting who, who, who comes in at centre-back because I think Joe, Joe massive has been excellent. And Canarsie yeah. played really well. So yeah, that's yeah. going to be a tough call, I think. But I, I think the front three will be... I think the front three will be... the um, has... Salah
0: and, and Nunez, I think. Yeah. Mike, yes, what do you you bring yeah. Trent back in at right back or would you sort of play him in midfield and keep Joe Gomez or I do you, do you think you know
2: on his recent performances, I think would be very unlucky not to start. Well I think he's got the opportunity to do that, hasn't he, with the uh with the play with with Jones missing in midfield. He's got the opportunity to do that. Endo had his, you know his audition the other night, didn't he? to to start that game on Saturday, and he may well start with Endo, and he may well start with Gomez, because as you just say, I think he deserves to keep his place. But you know, I just when you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold on the bench, I think it's just a waste. It's just a yeah. waste to have him on the bench. I'd I'd start with Trent, and if Matoma became too much for him, I'd take him off. You know, but yeah. but you know, we got to got to get away, got to get away from this narrative that Trent can't defend. He can't. Oh, no. You know, look at last year against Martin uh, was it last year the year before against uh, Martinelli? Everyone saw about how like, Martinelli's gonna tear him a new one and he didn't. He had him in his pocket the whole game and at Anfield as well. So last year at Anfield had him in his pocket the whole game and Trent mm-hmm. changed the game for us with his aggression with is uh, Xhaka and everything else. I just I just don't think you can leave Trent out your team. He's such an yeah. important weapon for us, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, as I say, Pete, what would what about you? Would you start Trent in midfield and Gomez
1: at right back or would you or would you start with Trent at right back and, and add a Gravenberch orendo your endo in the midfield I'd, with I'd, um, with your mates and Maka. I think um I think Trent started right back, to be honest. I, I wrote the team down before in, in you know, thinking what it'd be Centre backs have put massive and Van Dyke. I think Joel's played well when he's been in the team and he didn't come on the other night. I think he'll play midfielder for Sovers like McAllister and I think Gravenberch deser uh, deserves a stars after this performance the other night, and I think the front three picked themselves Diaz, Nunes and Mo, so that would be my my okay. team. Probably coming back in at left back, obviously. Okay,
0: I would I would pre- uh, go for a surprise, and I would start centre midfield, um, and and I would I would sort of give keep Gomez at right back, and then you've got the likes of Gravenberch and Hendo, who you can bring on. Later on, if needs be, but that's what I would do. But I think I think it, it's more likely that that what you've all said is correct, and uh, Trent will start at right back, Gravenberch in midfield, and Gomez will be on the bench. But it'll be a difficult game. There's no doubt about that. So I'll start with you, Tom, for your for your prediction. Do you know what? I, I fancy us to win there, Les. I
3: think I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go away from my three one. I'm gonna go for two one for Liverpool, I think. But I think Liverpool will beat them. I think okay. we do a win there.
2: Mike. I think we do a clean sheet, if I'm honest with you. Um I'm sick of seeing us concede um in the first half and play terrible. I just hope we play well for ninety minutes, because we've been terrible in the first half of games this year. Um, we've ended up playing great second half, you know, really dominating things. But that's when he's got them in and reorganized. I just think I, I'm thinking two 0 me. I mean, Brighton blow up and cold, and they've been terrible the last couple of weeks. If I'm honest with you, but when they're on it, they're on it. But they'll be nervous because they got absolutely walloped last week, scraped a draw two two midweek. It was a good comeback to be fair, but they got walloped and they've had a couple of bigger uh, wallopings. They got uh, battered at Newcastle as well, didn't they? I can just see, us, I can see us turning them over two or three. I think. On Saturday, I think Mo will be a start again. Nunez, if, if he plays well, we win the game. Pete. Bottom awesome line, I've got
1: I've got two on Liverpool written down here. I, I'll go with the same as well. uh, with Tom. I think it'll be like Michael just said. Then I think if, if Brighton bring their game to it, you know, I mean, the battled us three last season, wasn't it? Or the one before the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Us. And yet we've gone down there in previous seasons and done the same to them. So. I I just I just think it'll be a tight game this one, but I'm going to one the Reds.
0: Yeah. I'm going for a, a Liverpool victory by two goals. Now think it's only one of the last five that we've won against Brighton. So hopefully that will change on Sunday. And you know, we'll we'll get the three points that'll put pressure on on the City Arsenal game that follows us. So on that note, I'll end this latest edition of the late flag stroke LFC Red Poets podcast. Once again, thanks to my two partners in crime, Tom and Pete, and also our special guest, Mike Canley. And as I always end the podcast by saying, justice for the 97, don't buy the sun and you'll never walk alone. Until next time, see you soon.